When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Six months ago... As the country recovered from the peak of the first wave of Omicron, the government revealed its plan for living with COVID. We will remove all remaining domestic restrictions in law. So let us learn to live with this virus and continue protecting ourselves and others without restricting our freedoms. But for the estimated 1.8 million people in the UK with long COVID, what does living with the lasting effects of the virus actually mean? It leaves some short of breath, others in wheelchairs, others exhausted and unable to concentrate. It is something many people may have to live with long after the epidemic has passed. The UK has led the way on vaccines and continues to make great strides on that front. The UK has become the first country in the world to approve a coronavirus vaccine. The UK has become the first country to approve a Covid vaccine that targets both the original strain and the Omicron variant. But what progress has been made on a cure for long Covid? A lot of work has been done. It's a complex, challenging new condition and a lot of work is still needed. We should be giving a message of hope that this is an illness that we can help you recover from. You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Manveen Rana. Today, how close is a cure for long COVID? My name is Jane Flanagan. I'm the Africa correspondent of The Times. We last spoke to Jane six months ago about her own bout of COVID and the lingering symptoms that she was still suffering from after catching it in autumn 2021. Jane was one of the many people with long COVID and for her, that involved symptoms including inflammation in the lungs, fatigue and brain fog. I think for someone like me, you could really cope with doing a lot of things at the same time. I can't do that anymore. I have to write everything down. So when I speak to my editors in the morning about my story ideas, I have to make really good notes. Or if I have a thought, I have to record it because I certainly won't remember it by the time I get home. When you work in news and you do have fast turnaround times for deadlines, it's not, it's not ideal if you feel like your concentration isn't what used to be. I'll be sitting at my desk and I'm like, oh, what did I sit down here to do? Or I'll find myself Mm. in the garden watering the plants and thinking, I don't remember getting here or what was I supposed (sighs) to be doing? 
But as a journalist, eager to investigate the cause of her condition, Jane went searching for answers. I've seen a particular research professor called Risha Pretorius. Her name is mentioned because she's done some really interesting blood analysis at her lab at Stellenbosch University outside Cape Town. She was appealing for people to come forward and have their blood taken and analysed. So I decided maybe Mm. I'll, I'll go and see if she'd like to look at my blood. Dr Pretorius had been researching whether clotting within the blood was a possible cause of long COVID. So I went to see her with two small samples of blood and I took it to her lab at Stellenbosch University. So um, now we're going to put the blood, the whole blood, side tubes, um, into the centrifuge. The blood is spun for 15 minutes to separate the dark red blood cells from the plasma. So it sounds like my blood has been spun. Yes. So as you can see now, oh wow. It's in three different... Looks um, like a cocktail. It's sort of red at the bottom and... Yellow at the top. And and the yellow at the top. So the yellow at the top is the plasma. And then special dye is added to cling to anything that's in the sample that shouldn't be there. And then they light up. Um, So, yeah. You see them in the blood, do you? We see them in the blood. One problem that if they clump together, these platelets can then go and sit in small um, blood uh, vessels and, of course, have problems in the lungs or if, if they get to the brain, you can get problems like stroke or something like that as well. So that is why it's important to try to get rid of these clots so that that type of thing doesn't happen. And what happened when she tested yours? So for the first two slides, she really didn't seem very much at all. She looked at that and she said, oh, well, that would look like a control sample. Any, actually. You look like a very good control, I would say. That's what I would expect to see in a healthy person. And I think it was by the time she got to the third slide, there was a big, looked like a big green chilli pepper lit up on the screen. And she said, well, that's a microclot. And here I do see that. Quite a big area of, of clot formation. Is it? That's the sort of clotting that we see in people with long COVID symptoms. For Jane, this visit was an enormous breakthrough. But she was still left with questions about what the microclots meant for her and her recovery. I'm back in my car now after my time with Dr Pretorius and feeling quite mixed about things. Um, Reassured, really, that there is an explanation now for the way that I've been feeling. But Dr. Pedroris can't help me anymore now. I've got to go and see somebody else who's doing work with non-COVID patients to try and break down some of those clots, repair some of the damage, make them feel a bit stronger. And so I've got to start all over again and see if I can get an appointment with him and really just see if, if there's anything he can do for me. I want the life I used to have. I don't want to forget how active I used to be, how much more energy I had, how much more I got out of life. Since then, Jane has been giving blood samples for Dr Pretorius's long COVID study at Stellenbosch University. And separate to the study, she's been prescribed medication based on the results of those blood tests. Six months on from her initial visit, we caught up to find out how she's feeling now. Um, I've been, I've had periods when I felt very well, 
And then I have periods when I feel um, like my, my brain is quite foggy again. I feel a bit tired. I think like a lot of people with long COVID, you just learn to manage your symptoms and work out what you can do and what you can't do. And Jane, just talk us through this, because when we last spoke to you six months ago, you had just gone to see Dr. Pretorius, who was doing some really interesting studies looking at what might be causing long COVID. And she discovered that you did have these microclots in your blood. What's happened since? Have you started treatment for it? And what have you learned about your condition? Yes. So when we last spoke, I just had my blood tested and the picture showed that I had microclots in my blood. I also had bits of debris from an obviously damaged vascular system and also clumps and hyperactivated platelets. That's not a normal picture of blood, but typical of what's being seen with people with symptoms of long COVID. I was prescribed medication to calm down the platelets and to break down those clots. I took that medication for three months. These are approved drugs to do those jobs. And I was supervised, had my blood tested regularly. And after three months, the picture looks about normal. So it did show that the medication was successful. I wouldn't have said that I was, I felt totally uh, free of any long COVID symptoms, but certainly I think knowing that these things weren't in my blood anymore made me feel an awful lot better. Tell us a bit about the treatment that you've received. I mean, how do they treat microclots like that? So I took two very well-established approved medicines to calm platelets and to break down clots. There are a lot of blood clotting diseases and anticoagulants is what you use for blood clots. They get broken down. And the other treatment is to calm the platelets, the white blood cells. That is when they get mm. so agitated that they give the order for the body to, to create the clots. So you can't just break down the clots. You've got to deal with what causes the clots, which is the hyperactivated platelets. But why those get activated in the first place, of course, is something that researchers are very busy trying to work out. But of course, we don't know the root causes of, of long COVID. We've got some hypotheses now, which are pretty strong, and it could be more than one. But definitely, I think that the idea that people with long COVID uh, have clots in their blood, I have not seen any evidence suggest that isn't the case. Of course, they're not testing enough people's blood. I'm very fortunate that I know what's in my blood. And is it a therapy that suits everybody? Because I imagine some of those sort of blood thinning medicines might not suit some people. I think you don't take a medicine like this lightly at all. Some days you could feel slightly more severe symptoms. I felt a bit tingly. I felt a bit sick. I felt dizzy, tired, quite wretched a couple of days. I did adjust my lifestyle. I didn't do anything where I was likely to get hurt. Yeah. You don't want to bleed excessively. I did get very easily bruised. That was quite alarming sometimes. You know, I'd, I'd catch sight of my, myself in a mirror and I'd see a huge bruise on my arm or my leg and I wouldn't have remembered doing that. But they clear up pretty quickly. This is not treatment that people should be self-medicating with and not under the supervision of a doctor. And mm. and I was, you know, I spoke to other people who've been through the same treatment as me and they said that was also their experience. You, some days you feel worse before you feel better. I've got the pictures of your blood samples. Talk us through a description of what they look like at each stage. So the first set of pictures that you see, you'll, you'll see some rather odd shapes. There's one that looks like a, a green chilli, doesn't yes. it? Yes. 
if you think about these clots, I mean, they're, you can see them under a microscope. But, I mean, compared to the size of the smallest vessels, your capillaries, I mean, you can imagine the damage they do. They block your capillaries. That's going to do a bit of damage. And then you, there's something that looks like a ribbon or seaweed. That is probably some vascular damage. So these clots, they break off bits of, of a capillary and now these bits of debris are also being washed around your body. To see that picture and think, oh my gosh, and that is just in five drops of blood and I've got litres of blood in my body. Imagine that's being replicated all over. But at the same time, it does make you understand why you have the symptoms that you have. If oxygen is not being properly delivered to all the parts of your body that needs it because of the inflammation of the clots blocking uh, the efficient flow, then you can understand why you might feel dizzy, why you might feel tired, why you might struggle to focus. Yeah. I mean, we know there are 200 or so symptoms that people have reported with long COVID. And hypoxia, the lack of oxygen being delivered efficiently through your body, would make quite a lot of sense. And then the second set of slides, you'll see that's, I mean, a massive improvement after a month of anticoagulation medicine. So it's gone from sort of like big, sizable green dots you can see on the screen, which are the clots, to really very, very small ones. It looks more like night sky. You know, you can barely make out a few dots rather than the big shapes like the big green chilli. Yes, so it does look more like a starry night, as you say. So that would show that the clots have been broken down into smaller ones. And then on the third slide, you'll see that there's one or two of those small ones, but otherwise a nice starless night. That ideally is what a control sample should look like with none of those clots. And after three months, I did have a very positive result. In the same way, the white blood cells, the platelets, you'll see they look a bit very clumpy, like some groups of frog spawn. They shouldn't look like that and they shouldn't be irregular shaped. They should be perfect bubbles. And after three months, you can see that they're less clumpy, they're a bit calmer. The picture was a lot healthier. That makes sense because it does look like it sort of starts to become very tiny little stars, but otherwise a, a black screen, which is presumably how it should be. But then it does get a little bit worse before it gets better again. I think I had a good improvement and then it got worse again. And, and they don't know why that is. And it could well be because COVID has damaged your vascular system in some ways. So actually, even though the clots are being broken down, there is still some sort of wound or damage that the platelets are responding to. So the clotting cascade begins all over again. And this theory that so-called viral persistence, that there might be a lingering fragment of the virus sitting in the tissue somewhere, that the body is still fighting. And Jane, it's clearly had results for you, but is it as successful for every case? No, I mean, while we don't know what causes long COVID, there are three or four really strong hypotheses now. So we are getting closer. There isn't going to be a pill or a potion that suits absolutely everybody. We are going to have to do a lot more supervision and monitoring and diagnostics before we can work out what works for different people. But I do think that we could have made a quicker and more urgent start with things, certainly. And that's the feeling, I think, comes out of anyone who has 
long COVID is is a frustration at the lack of urgency about it because certainly we've seen how quickly the medical profession, the research professions can move, the government can move when it wants to. We saw people were very risk tolerant around the vaccination. Things moved very quickly. People have been sick for two years now. I think it's worth just thinking about the number of people who are affected by this. We know from the government's own statistics in the UK that a million people have dropped out of the workforce. The government's statistics say that a lot of this is because of long-term illness. I mean, why is there no joining of the dots? I can't help but think there's a lot of willful ignorance around this. And we're living with the consequences. People are off sick. People have fallen out of the workforce. We hear all the time about staff shortages. The ranks of people with long COVID, I think, must be growing every day. I think even a conservative estimate about the number of people who get COVID who are still experiencing symptoms three months later, or even a year later, even if it's just a few percent, that's an awful lot of people being affected. Coming up, what happens if you get long COVID in the UK? And is the NHS prepared for what's to come? That's after a quick message from a colleague. I'm Tom Calver, Data Projects Editor at The Times and The Sunday Times. From pandemics to politics, data is crucial to understanding our rapidly changing world. And it's my job to analyse, interpret and explain that data to our readers. Data can help tackle the biggest issues of our age. Will the NHS be able to cope next winter, for example? Why is inflation so high? We can only do this thanks to the subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times. Subscribe today by visiting thetimes.co.uk forward slash stories of our times. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. By taking part in a long COVID study in South Africa, 
Jane Flanagan has been able to seek medical help that's already showing promising results. Although she still has setbacks, it will hopefully continue to help with her symptoms. But what are the prospects for people with long COVID here in the UK? The Office for National Statistics estimates that 1.8 million people are currently experiencing long COVID symptoms, and about a fifth of those are significantly affected by them. For the vast majority, the NHS will be the key to their recovery. My name is Melissa Heitman. I am a consultant physician at University College London Hospital. And I'm also working with NHS England as one of two national specialty advisors for the Long Covid programme. Melissa, take us back a couple of years now, really. Take us back to the moment where, you know, the whole country was frozen in real trepidation about Covid and what it would mean. At what point did we realise that the Covid infection itself might have longer term consequences? At what point did we realise that Long Covid was a thing. I think we started to realise that patients could have long-lasting illness after COVID, probably in April 2020. And we came to that realisation through contacting patients who'd been sent home from hospital after coming in with severe COVID, and also in seeing the people who were attending our emergency departments describing ongoing illness even after their immediate infections seem to have resolved. And so in our own organisation, we set up an emergency clinic in May 2020, which was run from a mobile unit outside the hospital. And we were inundated. I think we realised right from the start that, that people were being affected with quite a large range of symptoms that seemed to be involving lots of different systems of the body. So the illness was medically quite complicated and surprising for us and we've had to do an awful lot of learning over the last two years. And being on the front line watching it over those two years, how did your understanding of what long COVID was, how did that change? We learned quickly. We had to bring in people with a range of different specialty backgrounds to help us understand what we were seeing, try to work out the right way to manage the condition, to do what tests we needed to do, and what treatments were useful, and how could we help support people's recovery. So I work within the post-COVID service, which I lead with individuals from five different specialties and, and clinicians from lots of different professional backgrounds. And I think we've got to the point now where we understand the pattern of illness in long COVID, how to recognise it, And I think important to say, we are seeing that patients are recovering from long COVID. It's just the speed of recovery does vary quite a lot from person to person. You described this sort of being multidisciplinary and unexpected. Yeah. Just talk us through the range of symptoms that you've now seen associated with long COVID. So the majority of people experience fatigue. So that's extreme tiredness. Uh, which affects their ability to function. Breathlessness is also very common and the breathlessness is often not very well explained by any lung abnormalities. So that's intriguing. People tell us they're unable to exercise and other very common symptoms are 
palpitations, so fast heartbeats, dizziness, headaches, migraines, chest pain, pain in their arms and legs, funny numbness, tingling. So quite an odd collection of symptoms that can be quite hard for them to explain to doctors and nurses. But we're quite familiar now with the pattern and the range of illness. And it is clear to us that this is certainly not a psychosomatic illness. So it's a physical disease with Mm. underlying physical causes. And in terms of those who are very badly affected by it, who do need NHS help, I mean, just how bad is it? So I do have some patients who have been unwell since wave one of the pandemic. They have improved over that time. But at the beginning of their illness, they were very poorly. People finding it difficult to get up and dressed in the morning, certainly not able to go to work and experiencing very unpleasant symptoms. And one of the things we're really trying to understand from the research that's going on is what does the recovery journey from long COVID look like and what can we do to speed up that recovery as best as possible? We've been talking to Jane Flanagan in South Africa. You know, she's found a treatment that really has changed her life. It really has made a a difference to her. Yeah. Where are we in this country looking into microclot research? At the moment, we haven't got what we call a a randomised trial where you you have a, a control group that's testing out the treatments that they're proposing. Hmm. So we've got evidence from quite small numbers of patients and we don't have that treatment compared in people who are not receiving the medicines and really working out what is the effect of the treatment and and what might be sort of, for example, recovery with time. So I think they've made a really important and interesting observation and we've certainly been looking to try and reproduce that study in our own centre I think there is something important to understand about clotting in long COVID. At the moment, we don't feel we have enough evidence to safely use clot-busting medicines as a treatment, but that is one of the medicines that's being tested in this trial. At the moment, if somebody comes to you with long COVID... I mean, what is the sort of treatment plan? When they come through to the clinics, we work out how they're affected, what tests we need to do, and then we work out a management plan. Occasionally, some of the symptoms are helped by medication. For example, if you have migraine or pain, a very fast heart rate. In terms of managing the fatigue and breathlessness, we're seeing real improvement with supported therapy for that. So usually several weeks of following a programme. So everyone always is looking for a simple cure for an illness, but many of the complex health conditions that we experience are not simply cured by medicine. And I think we should be giving a message of hope that this is an illness that we can help you recover from and that we see people recover from completely in an important proportion of cases. Do you worry about the people who are going abroad to take part in some of these trials? Absolutely, I really worry about them. We worry about whether they've been given enough information for them to assess the safety of what they're getting involved with. 
We worry about the exhaustion and stress that they experience in traveling abroad. And often these treatment courses are quite drawn out, requiring several courses of treatment. We worry about the amount people are spending from their own pocket Mm. on treatments, which we don't have enough evidence base for. We have a lot of patients who have accessed those treatments who have not seen the cure of their illness. It's really important to wait for that evidence to come through. If there's a treatment that cures long COVID, it is relatively straightforward to demonstrate that in a clinical trial. And at the moment, those treatments have not been proven. And I know that's been really frustrating for patients because that process takes a little bit of time, even when we're fast tracking it. Some of the people who are doing that and who are spending a lot of money on those treatments, they would argue that this is because it feels like support from the NHS isn't sufficient or it's not coming fast enough. Would you recognise those criticisms? It's been a really challenging time, hasn't it? So the NHS has invested dedicated funding to the long COVID care pathway, so over £220 over the last two years. And there are are now services available in every region of England. So a lot of work has been done. It's a complex, challenging new condition and a lot of work is still needed. But I think some patients maybe who were seeking help early in the pandemic didn't have as good an experience as they would if they were being referred at at this point. Do you think the NHS has the resources and the capacity to be able to deal with the legacy of long COVID? I think we've made a really strong start. And internationally, I think the pathway that we've developed is one of the strongest. No question, the NHS has been under enormous strain and will remain under enormous strain. But it is a remarkable organisation. So I don't feel hopeless, but the challenge is large. The message we would like to get to people affected by long COVID is to seek help. Please don't think that nothing can be done or that doctors don't take this seriously. Your GP practice surgery have been given resources to help them in learning how to assess someone with long COVID and in what to do about it. And some people will need to come through to the dedicated post-COVID services which are running and are available to them. So please don't struggle on with symptoms without seeking help. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times, a podcast brought to you thanks to the subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times, with me, Manveen Rana, and my guests, Africa correspondent at The Times, Jane Flanagan, and consultant physician at University College London Hospital and NHS England National Advisor for Long Covid, Dr Melissa Heitman. You can read more about Long Covid at thetimes.co.uk with a subscription. The producer was Sam Chantarasak. The executive producer today was James Shield. And sound design was by John Scott. Thanks for listening. See you again soon. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. 
Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.